going to put a lot of these verses on the screen as we often do. And we just, we just believe it's important that we put our eyes on God's Word. And so we want to make that as accessible for you as possible. The Gospel of John, New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. And uh, I'm going to share several other verses today, as I always do. But uh, we're going we're gonna to camp out, for the most part, in John chapter 14, 15, and 16. And then we may get into the book of Acts a little bit today as well. You know, as we, as we begin today, this second week in a series that we're calling Wisdom, this is a reality I think we can all connect with. That every one of us, at some point in our life, maybe today, you've experienced a moment of uncertainty. Uh, let's go a little farther. Every one of us have at times in our life had circumstances that were so troubling to us that they, they caused anxiety. Maybe they caused fear, uh, worry at the least. Maybe they were even paralyzing in the decision-making process. You just didn't know what was next or, or how to go about it or, or what to do with it. And you were in that kind of situation. If you've ever been there, you know this is true. These are the moments that, that we look for wisdom. We, we search for it. We need answers. You know, maybe you've been one of those uh, people that you had some medical condition and you made the mistake of searching WebMD. Like, what, what have I gotten? Boy, that just makes all the anxiety go through the roof, right? Because now you have everything, apparently. And, and you, you're probably going to die this week. And it's terrible. And it's probably just an ingrown toenail. But, you know, you searched it out and it could be anything. We look for wisdom, though, right? In all kinds of sources and all kinds of ways. We want to know how to handle the situation. Well, let me tell you, there's no wisdom higher than God's wisdom. And that's the wisdom that we really need. And so now let me give you the good news. Before we get into the John's gospel, let me tell you what the Bible says about the wisdom of God. It's in the book of James, chapter 1 and verse 5. Check this out. It says, if any one of you lacks wisdom, we all raise our hand there, right? You should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Now, I love that he adds without finding fault in there because it's like that teacher that says, hey, class, there's no stupid questions, right? Like the only stupid question is the one you don't ask. And, and so I, I love that he says without finding fault. In other words, God's not going to respond to you and say, are you kidding me? I can't believe you didn't know that. No, if any man lacks wisdom, if any woman lacks wisdom, let him ask and God generously will give you wisdom. So listen, if you want to grow in wisdom, because uh, if it was just that easy, I mean, come on, that, that's, that's great. Sermon over, let's go eat lunch. But how many of you know sometimes it's difficult to discern the wisdom of God? It's hard to know God's will. The reality is we have to learn how to discern His voice. We have to learn how to pick up on what He's laying down. We need to be able to hear His voice. Jesus said this, Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. Can I just tell you today, in case you were wondering, let me just, let me just put this thought to rest. God is speaking. He's speaking. He's not silent. He is speaking today. Last week, we began this series by talking about one of the ways that God speaks to us, and that is through people. I'm hoping He's going to do that in the next 45 minutes. He's going to speak to you through a person, me. 
He speaks to us through people. And when it's a word of encouragement or strengthening uh, or, or edifying or comfort, the Bible defines that as a word of prophecy. Now, before you push back from that, let me just say, you've probably been prophesied to before. You didn't know it. But if somebody's ever come to you to build you up, encourage you, or edify you in your walk with the Lord, that was the gift of prophecy. Maybe it wasn't even audible. Maybe they prophesied to you with their thumbs. They just sent you that text message that you needed at just the right moment, and it was the word you needed for today. It got you through what you thought you were going under. Prophecy. Maybe it was a card you got in the mail. Somebody took the time to write out a word of encouragement that you needed, and it lifted your spirit. I'm not just talking about, you know, cracking open fortune cookies and getting a motivational thought for the day. I'm talking about the Spirit of God speaking to His people through other people. God will do that. He'll speak to us through others. Last week, we ended by praying two prayers. The first one was, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. That's the prayer that little Samuel prayed as a boy. Every boy and girl, every senior adult can pray that prayer. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. It postures us to hear from God. But then we prayed a second prayer, a little bit more of an of a audacious prayer. We said, speak, Lord, through me. Your servant is listening. Now, now I'm not going to ask for any immediate feedback, but I wonder how you did with that this week. Are we allowing the Lord to speak to others through us? Well, if we learn anything from last Sunday to this Sunday, it's got to be this. We've learned that we don't all hear the same way. I mean, just, just tell me, honestly, is it Yanny or Laurel? <laughs> come, come on, some of y'all know what I'm talking about. I mean, like, social media has been blowing up with this little audio clip. If you don't know what I'm talking about, let me just tell you. There's this audio clip that plays... And some of us hear it saying one thing, and some of us hear it saying something else, but it's just saying the same thing. I'm going to let you hear it one time. We're going to settle this right now. All right? I believe in the church. I believe you're going to be able to tell me. So, so j just listen. All right. All right. If you heard that say, Laurel, just raise your hand. Okay. Now, if you think they're crazy, raise your hand. Okay. You're not crazy. Don't worry. Play, play it one more time. Yanny. Okay. Am I, I'm on. Okay. Yanny. That's what I heard. Laurel. They, all right. There's a website where you can, you can raise the intonation or lower it. All right. So we're just going to kind of start in the middle for all you Yannies. And, and then we're just going to start to lower the register and... And if you were a Yanny and you just raised your hand, when you hear Laurel for the first time, raise your hand. All right, go ahead. Laurel, 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 Laurel. Okay, let's go the other Laurel. way. See if it changes. Laurel, Laurel, Laurel. Isn't that amazing? Laurel. Listen, I don't have nothing in the Bible about Yannies or Laurels. <laughs> But, how many of you know we all hear differently? Yeah. And you know, sometimes it's the same way in the spirit. 
Boy, life can be confusing, can it? I mean, you thought you thought you knew what you were supposed to do. You weren't really sure. And, and there's moments in our life where we struggle to know the mind and the wisdom of God. That's why you got to really lean in with your heart to what I'm saying today. Because I want to talk to you about the Holy Spirit's role in us getting the wisdom of God. The Holy Spirit's role in helping us to know what God is saying, to hear what God is saying, and obey the voice of the Lord. Listen, when Jesus said, my sheep know my voice, he said it, he said it in Aramaic with a Galilean accent. So the people that were around him when he said, my sheep know my voice, they, they literally knew his voice. I mean, they, they knew the, they recognized the timbre in his voice. But when Jesus said that, he was not just talking about people that had walked with him and talked with him enough to recognize his voice the way you recognize your mom's voice when she calls. She doesn't have to say, hey, it's your mom. She just says, well, if it's my mom, she says, hey, sweetie, I know who it is. She doesn't ever have to say mom. I recognize the voice. But when Jesus said, you'll recognize my voice, he didn't just mean those guys that spent a lot of time with him. He didn't mean people that speak Aramaic. He meant anyone that calls me the good shepherd. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays his life down for his sheep. If you have a relationship with me, you're going to recognize my voice when I speak to you. Now, go with me to John 14, if you haven't already. And, and I want to share some things with you that Jesus said about the Holy Spirit's role. Now, maybe you didn't know this, but let me just say, I don't want to get through the day and not say this. Today is the day of Pentecost. Today's Pentecost Sunday. Now, for some of you, that, that means nothing, so let me explain. The word Pentecost just means 50. And so it's 50 days after Easter right now. Can you believe that? What happened to spring? 50 days after Easter right now. But the reason the day of Pentecost is significant to us and to the church is because of what happened on the first day of Pentecost after Jesus' death, burial, resurrection and ascension back up into heaven all that by the way the death burial and resurrection happened at Easter that's why we celebrate it at Easter 50 days later was the day of Pentecost and we're going to talk about what happened on that day there's something significant that the Holy Spirit did in that moment but the reason we're in John 14 15 and 16 is because Jesus is going to explain to his disciples what is going to happen on the day of Pentecost. Hasn't happened yet. When you read these chapters, it's all future tense. He's saying he will, it will, it's going to happen. Hasn't happened yet. This isn't their reality, even though they've walked with Jesus for three and a half years. He's saying there's something that's going to happen. You don't want to miss it. You're going to need this. And so I want to talk about those things from this setting. If you ever want to know anything about the Holy Spirit and how he works in the church, this is where you need to start. Because Jesus Teaching his disciples about the Holy Spirit in these three chapters is some of the most extensive teaching that we have in all the Bible about the Holy Spirit. So I, I got a bunch of them. I don't know how many I'll get to, but I got a bunch of them that you might want to write some of these down. These are the things that Jesus said the Holy Spirit will do for you and for me. Number one, the Holy Spirit is a counselor. John chapter 14 Look at verse 16 and 17. It says, And I will ask the Father, and He will give you another advocate. Some of your translations say a counselor. Another advocate to help you and to be with you 
forever. He's the spirit of truth. That's who the Holy Spirit is. He's the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him. For he lives with you and he will be in you. Again, this hasn't happened yet for them. But he's saying this is going to happen. Now, now let me just tell you where this conversation is happening because I think this is important. A lot of times we read the scripture and our first question is, what's in it for me? I mean, that's why you probably opened the Bible anyway. You wanted God to speak to you. But if you're going to properly exegete the word of God and understand it, you first have to ask the question, what did it mean to them? What did it mean to the people that it was written to? Jesus is talking to his disciples in this moment. And this is an important message for them as it is for us. And the reason it was so important for them is because this teaching in these three chapters is happening around the supper table. It's the last supper table. Jesus is about to go to the cross. He's about to be crucified. He's already told them in this conversation that this time is coming, that he's going to die. But three days later, he's going to rise from the dead. How many of you know that could cause a little bit of anxiety around the dinner table? Not only that, but Jesus told them that all of you are going to deny me. You're saying, what, what do you mean we're going to deny you? Jesus, we, we love you. We're with you. We're in this thing. Already by this moment, he singled out Judas, who would betray him. He said, go and do what you're going to do. And Judas has now left the table. Now the 12's down to 11. It's getting really awkward in here. I mean, we can just feel the air being sucked out of the room. And then Peter as usual, opens his mouth and says, well, even if all these guys deny you, I'm not going to deny you. And Jesus says, Peter, you're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows tomorrow morning. More awkward. And the Bible says, and the rest of them said the same thing. Oh, if everybody denies you, not me, not me. And so they're in this moment. It's very tense, and Jesus is communicating with them. That's why he begins chapter 14 by saying, don't let your heart be troubled. You know why he said that? Their heart was troubled. <laughs> they were troubled. And so it's in this setting and into that atmosphere and maybe into the atmosphere that you're facing, you feel troubled today. Maybe you have anxiety. Maybe you have worry. Maybe you have unanswered questions. Let these words from Jesus to his disciples be words of life to you today. First of all, he tells them the Holy Spirit, he's a counselor. He's a counselor. Thomas had already asked in uh, verse 5 of John 14, he said, Jesus, you're telling us we know the way that you're going, but how are we supposed to know the way? And Jesus responds in verse 6, he said, Thomas, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I, I, I'm the way, I am the truth. And, and Jesus said, the spirit that's coming is the spirit of truth. He's my spirit. Can, can I just be clear today that we all understand this? Who is the Holy Spirit? It's the spirit of Jesus. We serve a God who is three in one, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of Jesus, and you'll recognize him. How are you going to recognize him? Because he's been with you. For three and a half years, you've walked with me. Jesus was not born of Adam's sinful race. He was born of a virgin. He was conceived of the Holy Spirit. The spirit of God was in him. When he was about 30 years old, he was baptized in the Jordan. The Bible says the Holy Spirit descended on him 
in the form of a dove. He had the anointing of the Spirit on his life. Jesus said for three and a half years, you've known this Spirit. You've seen him. You've walked with him. You've experienced him in my life. But it's going to be different on the day of Pentecost because he's with you, but he will be in you. Something is going to happen. The counselor is not going to be walking with you. He's going to be in you. You're going to hear him on the inside. He's going to be louder even than my audible voice, Jesus said. He's going to be in you. The second thing is this. The Holy Spirit is going to give us comfort and assurance. That's one of the works of the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 18, the very next verse. It says, I will come to you. I will not leave you as orphans. Again, the disciples, are. Jesus just told them he's going to leave. And where I'm going, you can't go. And, and they're, they're worried about this. They're, and Jesus says, no, 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 listen. I'm sending the Holy Spirit. I'm sending the Comforter. And I'll be with you. Jesus said, it's good that I go away. When Jesus was ascending up to heaven, he said, I'll be with you always, even to the ends of the earth. Now, even in the time that they walked with Jesus, there was plenty of times he wasn't with them. Plenty of times he got up early in the morning and went to the mountain to pray. And they came looking, Jesus, where were you? He said, it's going to be different when the Holy Spirit comes. You'll never say, where were you? I'll be with you. I'll be your comforter. I'll be your assurance. In the moment when you feel like nobody's with you, you don't have to look for me. I'm with you. I'll be with you. I'll give you assurance. There's so many illustrations of this if we had time to just walk through the word, but let me just give you a couple of them. Moments, I'm talking about believers now. I'm, talking, I'm not talking about people that don't know Jesus or don't know their Bible. I mean powerful men of God used by God. There are moments throughout the word of God where they needed assurance, which means I don't have to feel bad for admitting to you that there are moments in my life where I'm just not really sure if I'm doing what God wants me to do. There's moments in my life where I, I doubt. There's moments in my life where I'm, I just don't have the confidence that I feel like somebody like me ought to have. I mean, I've been serving Jesus for a long time, but I still need assurance. Well, I'm glad to tell you, I'm not alone. Peter was the same way. The Bible says that there was a, a moment in Peter's life where the Spirit of God started dealing with him about taking the gospel across cultural barriers preaching to people that they had never preached to before. And, and he wasn't really sure if he was supposed to do this. He didn't know how he was supposed to respond. And all of a sudden, there was a knock on his door, and some men came to ask him to come and to, to preach that very message to that very culture. The Bible says this in the book of Acts, chapter 11, verse 12. It says, the Spirit, this is Peter talking, the Spirit told me, to have no hesitation about going with them. These six brothers also went with me, and we entered the man's house. This is a snapshot of what it means to be spirit-led. That, that Peter, he's in the moment of uncertainty, and all of a sudden, what does he get? He gets an assurance. He gets a confidence. He gets a peace that he just, he just knows, this, this, is, this is what I'm supposed to do. He didn't have all the questions answered. He didn't know how it was going to go when he got there. But all of a sudden, he had the assurance and the comfort of the Holy Spirit to lead him. I was thinking about Timothy this week. Timothy was a, a young minister of the gospel in the first century of the church. And he was discouraged, a little bit intimidated, maybe even a little bit uh, fearful as he was trying to lead the church and, and, and deal with organizing uh, people and 
dealing with conflict in this young church. And so Paul, the apostle, writes a letter to him to encourage him. And this is what he says in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. It says, Paul writes, For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but it gives us power, love, and self-discipline. You know what the apostle was telling young Timothy in that moment? He was saying, hey, take, take, a, take an assessment of your spiritual condition right now. Timothy, are you operating in fear? Are, are you operating in, in timidity? Or, or are you operating in a spirit of love and of power and, and of clear thinking and a sound mind? Because the spirit that God gave you, the Holy Spirit, is the comforter. He's the one that gives you assurance. He's the one that gives you confidence that what you're doing is what God wants you to do. And sometimes we just need to allow the Holy Spirit to kind of speak over us his word of comfort and assurance. Let me tell you something else the Holy Spirit does. Thirdly, the Holy Spirit teaches us. He instructs us. Do you know that's what the Holy Spirit wants to do for you? Now, again, Jesus has just told his disciples, the way the Father sent me out, I'm sending you out. In other words, I'm about to put in your hands the mission of the church. Big deal, right? I mean, this is a big assignment. They're feeling like we would feel in that moment. I don't know, I don't know if I'm ready for that. I don't know. I don't know if... Could you, could you go back and preach some of those messages again? I didn't take very good notes. I, I didn't realize that the test was coming so soon. But look at what the Bible says in John 14, verse 26. It says, But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything that I have said to you. The Holy Spirit wants to teach you. I mean, every one of us, we've been in situations where we, we just don't know what to do. And I just don't know what to do. He said, the Holy Spirit's going to teach you. H how do you think these men, who, by the way, were not educated men. The Bible tells us that in the book of Acts. These were unlearned men. How is it that years later, they would write these gospels? They would give us such clarity about Jesus' teaching. I mean, some of the most powerful words, some of the most compelling Stories, even if you're not a believer, in, in literary history, these men wrote these words that Jesus spoke. How do you think they remembered that? I mean, come on, I can't even remember what I read yesterday morning. This is how the Holy Spirit will teach you all things, and He will remind you of everything that I have said. And so as they received the Holy Spirit, God began to teach them and remind them of what Jesus said, and the Spirit inspired them to write it down so that we could have these gospel accounts. The Holy Spirit wants to teach you. Number four, the Holy Spirit, and this is important, the Holy Spirit always exalts Jesus. He always points people to Christ. Look at it with me as Jesus is unpacking this for them in anticipation of the day of Pentecost. He says in John 15, verse 26, when the advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. Can I tell you that's what the Holy Spirit does? He comes from the Father. Jesus is the one who sends him out. And he testifies about Jesus. 
So you can have confidence in knowing this today. The Holy Spirit will never do anything that pushes people away from Jesus. He'll never do anything that pushes people away from Jesus. He's always exalting Jesus. He's always lifting our eyes to who Jesus is, to what Jesus can do, to what he has for us. That's the role of the Holy Spirit. Listen, it's a good litmus test for any gift of the Spirit in operation. You can just ask yourself this one simple question. Is this exalting Jesus? Because if it's exalting a person or a personality, it's not a work of the Spirit. But if the Holy Spirit is in operation, it always exalts Jesus. That's what he does. He points people. In, in verse 14 of John 16, it says, He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what will make known to you. The Holy Spirit's the one who glorifies Jesus, and the reason he's glorifying Jesus is because he's saying what Jesus wants him to say. He's doing what Jesus wants him to do. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Jesus. So he's always exalting the Lord in our eyes. As God was moving in this worship service earlier in the service, what was the Holy Spirit doing? He was drawing the attention to Jesus. He was leading, leading us to, to more of who Christ is and to what he wants for our lives. Let me tell you the fifth thing, and you're not going to like this one, but you should write it down anyway. Number five, the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. That's one of the roles of the Holy Spirit in our life. And that's really good for us to remember because what that means is it's not our job to convict people of sin. Amen. Right? Amen. You met some of those Christians, they feel like their spiritual gift is convicting you <laughs> for your sin. Not a gift of the Spirit. Not a gift given to you. You don't have to convict anybody of sin. The Holy Spirit is the one who convicts people of sin. That's what Jesus explained here in John chapter 16, verse 8. It says, when he comes, again, hadn't come yet. Jesus hadn't gone to the cross yet. Hadn't died, hadn't been glorified, hadn't ransomed us from our sins. But when he comes, day of Pentecost, he's coming. He will prove to the world to be, he will prove the world to be wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. He's going he's gonna to prove that the world's way is wrong. See, we got it all wrong. The world is thinking that, you know what, if, I, if I'm a good person, God will accept me. Wrong. Well, if I do enough good deeds, then, then God will give me. Wrong. Well, if, if I just live a good life, I'll come back as a better life, and then I'll come back as a better life, and eventually I'll just reach some state of nirvana. Wrong. The Holy Spirit comes to convict us of sin and to tell the world that you're wrong about sin and judge, oh, it doesn't matter. As long as my heart, it doesn't matter what I do, wrong. The Holy Spirit wants to convict us. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is always testifying about Jesus and Jesus is the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through Him, John 14, 6. And so the Holy Spirit, what does He do? He convicts us in our lives. And I just want to say, as a, as a Christian, I thank God that the Holy Spirit convicts me of sin. 
You know why? Because there's a part of me, it's called the flesh. There's a part of me that still wants to sin. Yeah, yeah, don't make any mistake about it. As much as you do, as much as anybody else, there's a part of me that is fully alive and engaged in the desires of the flesh. I want to sin. You want to sin. There's not like some moment that just clicks and all of a sudden you have no desire to, to, to go into that same uh, lifestyle choice. All of a sudden you, don't, you have no desire anymore to pick up that habit again. No, it's there. That's why Paul said we crucify the flesh daily. In other words, every day I wake up and I make up my mind not to do what my flesh wants to do. And I can tell you right now, I'd never make it. If I didn't have the Holy Spirit convicting me of sin. You know, when I was, I grew up in the church, and I say this jokingly, but I'm serious. When I was a teenager, just like every other teenager, I was a sinner. Just like every other young person, I, I made mistakes. I sinned, but I wasn't good at it. You know some folks, they're just good at it. I mean, they're like, they are professional Sinners, you know. Some of you are like, yeah, that was me. I was an all-star. What I mean by, I don't mean I didn't make the mistakes. And sometimes it wasn't a mistake. Sometimes it was willful. I did what I knew I shouldn't do, just like you, you did. So take your halo off and stay with me. But what I mean when I say I wasn't good at it is, man, when I did wrong and I knew it was wrong, it wasn't long. The conviction of the Holy Spirit came over me. Oh, I could sin with the best of them, but I was a miserable sinner. I was, oh, I, I just knew I couldn't stay there. I knew I had to get right. I knew I had to confess my sin. I knew I had to ask God to forgive my sin. I knew I had to change my way. Why? Because I was raised in an atmosphere where the Holy Spirit was welcome. Yes, I was raised in a home where we prayed, and, and we, we didn't just pray to God the Father in Jesus' name to bless the food. We welcomed the third person of the Trinity. We asked the Holy Spirit to abide in us, to comfort us, to counsel us, to teach us, and to correct us, to bring conviction of sin. And my parents were wise parents because they knew they wouldn't know everything I did. But Jesus said, it's good that I go away because if I go away, the Holy Spirit's coming and he'll be with you always. In those moments when nobody else was there to say, not a good choice, not a good choice, don't do that. The Holy Spirit was speaking on the inside of me. And he was convicting me and guiding me. And sure, I could choose to ignore his voice, and so could you. But his spirit was right there. That's, that's the power of the Holy Spirit to work in our lives. I, I just think about the story like when Jesus was uh, walking with his disciples and Peter, or James and John saw some people that were, that were like casting out devils, but they weren't a part of the group. And they were like, Jesus, should we call fire down on them? Jesus is like, what? Like, no. No, man, you need the Holy Spirit when I'm gone. Like, would you do that? I'm really going to baptize you, man. Don't, don't go calling fire down on people. Jesus said, it's good that I go away because I'm going to send the Holy Spirit and he's going to be with you every moment to convict you of sin and unrighteousness. Listen, Jesus understood something about the Holy Spirit's role. And that's why he took time on the last night with his disciples before his crucifixion to explain the Holy Spirit. Here's what he knew. The role of the Holy Spirit is about to change. It's about to change. See, in the Old Testament, 
The Holy Spirit was in operation. He's always been in operation. In fact, Genesis 1 says that when the earth was uh, without form and void, the Spirit of God hovered over the waters. Holy Spirit's always been here. But He would come on people for specific moments, for unique tasks, for special anointings. We see the Holy Spirit coming on prophets and and kings and, and warriors at times. But Jesus is saying, look, something's about to change. I'm going to go to heaven, and I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, and His power is going to be unleashed on the whole church. And it's not just going to be something that some of you have or that you walk with me and you experience in my life. The Holy Spirit's power is going to be available to every believer. That's why He said, it's good that I go away. John 16, 7, because unless I go away, the advocate cannot come. But if I go away, I'll send him to you. You know, it's been said that, that knowledge is having information. But wisdom is knowing what to do with that information. There's something that the Holy Spirit can give us. It's, it's application in the moment. It's not just understanding. It's wisdom for the moment that we need it. It's the abiding presence of the Lord in our lives. These are all ways that the Holy Spirit wants to work. He he comforts you. He counsels you. He teaches you. He convicts you. And He does all of it while He's exalting Christ. He's lifting up Jesus. Jesus was saying to His disciples, you need to get ready. You need to get ready for the moment that I'm gone because the Holy Spirit is coming. I want you to go with me to the book of Acts, chapter 1. Because it was on this day, the day of Pentecost, the day we're celebrating today, the first Pentecost Sunday after Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection. The Bible says that for some 40 days after Jesus conquered death, he appeared in bodily form. 40 days. It wasn't like All of a sudden, they're like, oh, the tomb's empty. Where's Jesus? I don't know. And somebody's like, I think I just saw him go to heaven. No, it wasn't like that. For 40 days, he walked around. Undeniably, Jesus rose from the dead. But after 40 days, he ascended in bodily form up into heaven. Before he went, he gave his disciples some instructions. And it's right here in Acts chapter 1, verse 4 and 5. It says, on one occasion... While he was eating with him, this is the glorified Jesus. This is, I've already conquered the grave Jesus, post-Easter Jesus. He was eating with him, and he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. When did they hear him speak about it? Right before that last supper, about 40 days ago. And then he says in verse 5, For John baptized with water, but in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. John's baptism was a baptism of salvation, to recognize that you're a sinner and you need a Savior. But he said something, something powerful is going to happen, so I need you to go to Jerusalem and I need you to stay there and I need you to wait there until it happens. Don't go out and try to Start this church until this happens. You're going to need this power. Now look in chapter 2 with me. Acts chapter 2. It says, when the day of Pentecost came, about 10 days later, 
They were all there together in one place. And suddenly, it says, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. This is supernatural. This is like Elijah on the mountain. The fire that represented the presence of the Lord came down on the mountain. In the same way, it comes down in this prayer gathering to, to communicate to everybody, God is in this place. So the, the fire comes down and there's like fire on top of each person. It's supernatural. No one's burning here. It says the fire came to rest on them. And then look at verse 4. All of them. Can we say all of them? All of them. Were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So two supernatural things take place, at least two supernatural things take place right in this moment. First of all, these are all believers. So when we say all of them were filled, it means everyone that was a believer, everyone that was praying for the Holy Spirit that Jesus said was going to come. Everybody that was positioned for faith was filled with the Spirit. So supernaturally, there's an outward manifestation. And we don't see this at other places in Scripture, but this was significant on this day. This was the beginning. This is the birthday of the church. The, whole, the Holy Spirit comes, and there's fire. People see it, a visible representation of God's presence. But what we do see replicated in the Word of God is not the outward manifestation but the inward manifestation. The Bible says all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and all of a sudden they began to speak in languages that they had not learned as the Spirit enabled them. In other words, they were doing something from their spirit and not their mind. The Holy Spirit was inside of them and they began to say things they couldn't have said if the Spirit wasn't inside of them. It was an evidence of what they were seeing and experiencing and what Jesus had said would happen. It was an evidence to each person that this is real. I know you can't, you can't tell me if it's not real. My lips are the lips that are moving. My voice is the voice that I'm hearing. I know this is real. And so they had this moment of evidence that what God was doing in the room, He was doing in their lives individually. I want to tell you today, the only prerequisite, the only prerequisite for being filled with the Holy Spirit is that you repent of your sins and have faith in Jesus. Repent of your sins and have faith in Jesus. In fact, let, let me show you one more scripture because I want to I pray for you today, but if you go back to the gospel of John, just to chapter 20, just a few pages to the left if you're there in Acts. Just a couple pages. We're backing up now to the moment in the story where Jesus has already been to the cross. Three days later, he's resurrected. He's in his glorified body. He's with his disciples. The Bible says in John chapter 20 that Jesus appeared to them, as he did many times in that. He, he appeared to them. And down in verse 21 of John 20, it says, And Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, 
he breathed on them and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. Can I just tell you what happens in this moment? This is John 20. We're not to the day of Pentecost yet. This isn't what Jesus talked about, but he said, receive the Holy Spirit. What's he talking about? Up to that moment, those disciples, just like everybody in the Old Testament that believed God, they believed by faith for what would happen. They believed a Messiah would pay the penalty for their sin. They believed that there would be a sacrifice that would take away the sin of the world. But they did it by faith because Jesus hadn't died on the cross yet, because Jesus hadn't paid the penalty for our sins. Now we, we live on the other side of the cross. When we celebrate it, we look back. We look back and we recognize that everything that had to be done for me to be saved, it happened there. It happened on the cross. And so now that Jesus has gone to the cross, paid for sin, and come back conquering death and hell and giving us eternal life, he said, I want you to receive that spirit. I want you to receive salvation. And he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And in that moment, those disciples became like every one of you that are saved. We, we look at the cross as a finished work. It's done. And I'm going to tell you, the only prerequisite for you having that experience is that you confess your sins to God. The Bible says this in 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. In John chapter 3, Jesus called it being born again. That's what He said has to happen. You have to be born again. That means when you get saved, it's just like in Genesis 1. The Bible says that God formed Adam out of the dust. And what did He do? He breathed on him, right? He breathed on him and He came to life. Jesus said you have to be born again. So here we are in John chapter 20. He's gone to the cross. He's paid for your sins. You can have new life. What does he do? He breathes on you. He breathes on you and he says be born again. Receive my spirit. The spirit of Jesus. The Holy Spirit in your life. Listen, if you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you know what God wants to do? He wants to breathe new life into you. You don't need a fresh start. You don't need a do-over. You don't need to try harder. You need to be dead and alive. You need to be born again. The old you, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 5, 17, if anyone is in Jesus, if you're in Christ, the old is gone. It's not remade, remodeled, refabricated, improved on. It's gone. If anyone's in Jesus, the old is gone. Behold. The new has come from death to life. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you need to do one thing. You need to just confess your sins to God. And if you confess, He's faithful. And He'll forgive you of your sin. And He will breathe new life into you. And I, I want to pray to that end right now. And I want to ask if you do something with me to, to really just focus in your heart on what God wants to do in these closing moments of this service. I want to invite you to just close your eyes with me and block out everybody else, every other distraction. Just close your eyes, but open your heart and listen for the voice of the Holy Spirit. He's been speaking all morning. He's been counseling. He's been comforting. He's been teaching. Maybe he's even been convicting.
Maybe that's what you're feeling right now, that, that conviction. It's the Holy Spirit telling you, it's time to change. It's time to stop resisting. It's time to quit fighting against me. I made you in my image. I made you for my purpose. Stop kicking against my plan for your life. Holy Spirit is exalting Christ right now. Maybe for the first time in a long time or maybe for the first time ever, you're realizing the grand scope of who Jesus is. He's not just a teacher. He's not just a prophet. He is the way. He's the truth. He's the life. He's the only way to get to God. No one comes to the Father except through Jesus. The Holy Spirit's the one that's making that real right now. He's making that real like never before. He's bringing you to the place of saying, I need Jesus to save me. If that's you today and the Holy Spirit's dealing with your heart, I want to just invite you to pray that prayer with me, to pray a prayer of confession. If you're here and you say, Pastor, that's me. My head's bowed, my eyes are closed, I'm listening for God, I hear Him speaking to me. I need to pray this prayer right now and ask Jesus to be the Lord of my life. If that's you, would you just raise your hand? Right now, I'm the only one looking, but I just want to know that the Lord is speaking to you. I'm going to pray with you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Anyone else, you'd say, that's me, right now. God is speaking to me. He's giving me His wisdom. He's telling me the next step. I need to come to Him today. Anyone else, I'm asking for the last time. I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to connect my faith with yours and know that in this moment, God is speaking to you. And you're listening. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, this is your moment. My sheep know my voice. You're recognizing His voice. This is the beginning of an incredible, incredible journey. So right now, if you raise your hand, or maybe you didn't, but you know you should have, I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer out loud. I want the church to pray it with us. Come on, let's pray it together. Say, Dear Jesus, I hear you calling me. You love me. You want to forgive me. Today, I want to receive your forgiveness. So I confess my sin. I confess I'm not enough. I failed. I've missed God. But today I make a choice to turn away from sin and to turn to the cross where my sins were paid for. By faith today, I believe my sins are forgiven. My hope for eternity is in Jesus. My hope for life is in Jesus. I give you my all. Be my Lord. Save me now. In your precious name. Amen. Amen. Can we give God praise today? Come on, God's speaking right now. He's saving, He's healing, He's delivering. Amen. I want to ask you to stand with me. We're not done yet, but I, need, I, want, to, I want to ask you to stand with me. We're going to pray a prayer here. And you need to know this, if you're a guest with us, these altars are going to stay open at the end of this service. If you're here, maybe you just prayed that prayer. You said, well, I'd love to talk to somebody. At the end of this service, I want you to come and, and meet us in the altar. Let us pray with you. Let somebody talk with you and encourage you 
in the next steps of your journey with God. But last week, we ended with a pretty gutsy prayer. We said, Lord, speak through me. Your servant is listening. I want to give you another challenging prayer today. See, what happened on the day of Pentecost was more than just the the breath of God's salvation. That's why even though Jesus had already breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit, he still said, don't leave Jerusalem. Stay there until you're filled with power. What I want you to understand today is there is something more that God has for you by his spirit. And I want to challenge you to become hungry for the more, to become hungry for the spirit of God. The Spirit of God wants to fill your life so much. Can I tell you, it's not just to give you power, to to comfort you, to to convict you of sin, and to give you a counselor and a teacher and to exalt Jesus. The Holy Spirit also comes to empower us for service. That's why Jesus said, Acts 1-8, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you shall receive power. Now, I I didn't break this out, but I got to show this to you. I brought a drill with me today. Having this is helpful if you need to screw something in. A lot of people that are trying to to do the task that God has for them to do, they know how to do it, but they don't have any power to do it. Now, truth be told, in a pinch, I guess I could stick this thing in a screw And I I could turn this thing like this and I might get the job done, but how many of you know that's not the way it's designed? That's why Jesus said, don't leave Jerusalem until you've been filled with power. Because you've been through the three years of training. You've you've seen me feed the 5,000. You saw me walk on water. You've seen me conquer death. You heard the lessons. You got all the resources, but you need the power. That's the Holy Spirit. Don't leave Jerusalem until you've been endued with power from on high. Because after the Holy Spirit comes upon you, then you'll be my witnesses. In Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth, you're going to be able to move more efficiently, more effectively. You're going to be able to accomplish far greater than you could ever accomplish on your own. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is on the inside of you. If you've never been filled with the baptism in the Holy Spirit, that's the prayer I want to challenge you to pray. To say, Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit. We sang it earlier. All to Jesus I surrender. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. But I want it to be the prayer of your heart. And if you'll pray that prayer and you're saved, He'll honor that prayer because the baptism in the Holy Spirit is a gift. You can't earn it. It's a gift. All you have to do is receive it, yield to it, and God will empower you. He will equip you. You say, well, how how do I know if I got it? Because the Bible says He will enable you. He will enable you to pray in a new language. Wow, that sounds crazy. It is. 
absolutely crazy. So is trusting a handful of unlearned men with the salvation of the world. You know what it is? It's supernatural. Supernatural. But the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Jesus. And all he ever does is exalts Jesus. And everything that he gives us is what Jesus gives him to give to us. So you never have to worry about praying a prayer and God giving you something you didn't want. I want to challenge you. And, and maybe, maybe there's a lot of people in this room I know that you've been filled with the Holy Spirit. And you know you were filled. You say, how do I know? Because God enabled you to speak in a heavenly language. Do you know what? Peter was filled on the day of Pentecost. Then he was filled again a couple chapters later. Then he was filled again a couple chapters later. See, this is not a one-time experience. Because as the people of God, you know what? We leak. <laughs> God can do something in our life. We're like, oh, that was, I'm so glad I was at church. That was awesome. And then next Monday, you're like, ugh. So I want to challenge. I don't care if you've ever received the baptism in the Holy Spirit or not. I want to challenge you to pray a bold prayer and say, Lord, would you fill me? with your Holy Spirit. And if you pray that prayer, God will honor that prayer. I want to pray a prayer for you now, and then we're going to op open these altars as we dismiss this service. God, thank you so much that you are here to empower your church for the works of the ministry. Thank you, Lord God, that your spirit is available to us. Thank you, Lord God, that today, today, right now, you know what we're going through. You know what we need. You know what wisdom we need. You know what counsel we need. You know what comfort and assurance we need. You know how we need to be taught and instructed. Lord, you know where we need conviction in our lives. But Jesus, the body of Christ, today we're declaring our desperate need for you to empower us by your spirit. So that we can be your effective witnesses in the earth. So God, I pray today all over this room that you would find open hearts that are receptive and yielded to you. And Lord, we're asking you, Lord, fill your church. Fill us up to overflowing with your Holy Spirit. Fill us up, Lord God, that our lives are forever marked by your presence. God, fill us up so much so that when we pray, your Spirit prays through us. That our prayer life goes beyond our intellect. That like they did on that first day of Pentecost, after your ascension, Lord, we will do. We will pray spirit-empowered prayers. And God, we thank you for it. And we receive it in our lives. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. As we get ready to end this service today, as we dismiss you, I want to let you know that these altars are going to stay open for a little while longer. If you'd like somebody to pray with you, just come. Even if you want to pray by yourself, we're just going to let this atmosphere of worship tarry for a little while. But thank you so much for being with us today. If you're a guest especially, we're so grateful to have you in God's house. And I pray that God has begun something in your life today that you are not going to shake yourself free from all week. That God's going to just continue His work as you stay yielded to His presence.